Hello and welcome to another episode. Today we start with the topic, New Marvel's Secret Invasion series faces criticism for using AI. So Twitter has been up in arms because Marvel released their opening credits for their new show, Secret Invasion, and they've been generated by AI. And in my opinion, they look fucking terrible. <laughs> what are these faces? Like, this isn't even like good AI. What is this? The description is the world of Secret Invasion is decidedly sketchy with thousands of shape-shifting scrolls on Earth. You can't trust what you think you're seeing. One second you're looking at Nick Fury or an esteemed world leader, the next you see their face morph into something else or someone. Apparently Marvel wanted to make the case like, oh, we did this for artistic reasons. We did this because like it communicates well the idea of things being out of the ordinary and fucked up or whatever. And it's like, come on, like get real. The production process was highly collaborative and iterative with a dedicated focus on this specific application of an AI toolset. It involved a tremendous effort by talented art directors, animators proficient in both 2D and 3D, artists and developers who employ conventional techniques to craft all the other aspects of the project. However, it is crucial to emphasize that while the AI component provided optimal results, AI is just one tool among the array of tool sets our artists use. The entire process, guided by an expert art direction, encompassed the initial storyboard phase, illustration, AI generation, 2D and 3D animation, and culminated in the final compositing stage. But it looks like shit, so I don't believe this. What is all this? There is no way artists working with this would have produced something as bad. Obviously they did this as a cost-cutting measure to test the waters, maybe now to get some of the hatred, the outrage out of the way, and then just slowly but surely move and make more and more use of AI in, in various different marketing. Because obviously if you can cut the costs of the actual artists, that's just savings right there if it ends up having the same products. You could also say it might've been used in a way to generate buzz for the show. Because obviously I wouldn't have heard about this secret invasion thing if it wasn't for this AI debacle. I'm not as sold as other people are on the idea that purely negative press is, is what you should be going for. But I don't know, man, negative press does sometimes work, so I don't know. This was an interesting take though. From Nicholas J. Levy, Marvel Studios. The reason we use AI art for the opening credits of Secret Invasion is to tie into the show's thematic nature of human beings living amongst us. We couldn't do it without AI. Me doing the Will Smith hand pose. So some of you may have never seen this before. This is the opening theme of the Men in Black animated show from the 90s. What I'm saying is, this is a banger, and this person's point stands. This is infinitely better than Secret Invasion, and it does communicate the exact same thing, where there's aliens living among us, and it, it does it so well, with no dialogue. It's just a banging beat. Clearly this AI thing was just a cost-saving measure, not like an artistic choice. Twitch backpedals on $25 termination fee for affiliates and partners. This is perhaps relevant, especially because a ramble just went up with news that was somewhat old. I don't think it was incorrect because I, it, it did contain all the updates, but the beginning was out of date and you had to keep watching the video to find out that the beginning stuff was out of date. Regardless, Twitch has updated the monetized 
streamer agreement, rewords the qualitative terminology of your contracts, removes the $25 maintenance fee and $25 termination fee. Twitch is a live streaming service, and in support of this, you agree that your user content will primarily consist of live content, and that when live streaming, you will generally engage with viewers of your Twitch channel through chat or other live means as applicable. Like, are they trying to crack down on like sleep streams or streams that just rebroadcast other people's content or like, I mean, they bought PewDiePie's stuff so they could rebroadcast his videos, his old YouTube videos. Like, is that now against this rule? I don't know. And this was just removing the idea that when you like left the affiliate program, you had to pay $25 and all that stuff, which was dumb. As I said, like, I couldn't believe when they announced that, that enough people were leaving the affiliate program that, that they would get a lot of money from this. Like, it just seems so dumb. It was just a bad PR move to get pennies. See here, it used to say, if you or we terminate this agreement, a maintenance fee will be deducted from your remaining balance. The maintenance fee will be the lesser of the accrued program fees for your Twitch channel or $25. Ah, uh, yeah, so that's gone now. It was dumb and they shouldn't have added it, but now it's gone. YouTube finally adds sort by oldest functionality. Good news, everyone. I mentioned it before in Rambles that it was coming back, but the option to sort by oldest has finally returned. Here it is. Ain't that amazing? These, of course, aren't my oldest videos because at various different times I have had other channels. At various different times I've removed older videos and like repurposed that content into other things. My pizza acquisition vlog is still not at 100k. Like I never truly remove content. I merely take it down and repurpose it into something else. Like I plan to take down all my Fall Guys stuff and then just re-release it on the Clips channel as one long ass video or something. I mean, that's all going in the VOD channel anyway, but... So, we talked about before why this was removed. It was because when they added tabs for shorts and live, it broke the functionality of sorting by oldest, and so they had to remove it until they could fix it. And they've now fixed it. All good. I mean, it's, I suppose that's YouTube keeping one of its promises, because when it was removed, they said, hey, we're bringing this back. We want this to be a thing. Twitch revamps create a home, adding a bunch more features. So this guy, Zach Bussy, always seems to be talking about like the newest stuff that's happening on Twitch. If you are interested in that stuff and you want to hear about it first, and I don't cover everything, of course, I highly recommend following this dude. But he's uh, tweeting out this. Twitch appears to be working on a new creator home for affiliates and partners. It will push features to help you improve and promote your channel, insights about your stream, analytics, and analytic highlights. Funnily enough, like YouTube is doing something similar right now where it will, uh, at the end of the week, say, hey, look, here's how many views you got from different things. Here's what's popping off right now. Here's maybe something more that you should be doing. It's all very generic stuff because obviously a service level algorithmic suggestion is not likely going to have a full understanding of your content or what you're doing. But it can sometimes just be interesting to look at, like at least they're trying. But this new layout looks fairly interesting. I personally do not use the back end of Twitch for anything, really. There's this whole creator dashboard where you can press buttons and stuff. I just do not care. None of it's particularly interesting to me. Apparently, this new layout is out for me. Woo, you earned $956 more over last week. Sick. Follows. I gained 3,000 followers over the last week? I wonder if that includes like a loss of followers. Weird. This sort of stuff is interesting because it more shoves into your face how you're doing. As I've said before, I don't really feel gains or losses on Twitch, which can be good or bad. Like, because it doesn't impact my mood either way because I just don't think about it. But sometimes, maybe if I had some of these analytics, it would inspire me to do more or realize that some stuff works better than others. I would argue that the reason why I've gained a few more followers now is just because I did a giveaway. People have been signing up following because of the giveaway or whatever. But before that, because I've had a bit more energy and I'm doing GTA online streams and stuff rather than bungarizing around and just playing uh, Binding of Isaac every day. Like it almost doesn't matter what these analytics say, I'm not going to change 
really much about what I'm doing because what I'm doing is the best I can do based on the energy that I have. Your viewers also watch Liquid Wi-Fi and Hugo One and Just Chatting. 15% of your viewers also watch Just Chatting. If you also like it, try it out on a stream. The amount of content in Just Chatting is so varied, like that doesn't really tell me anything. Grand Theft Auto 5 right now is 100k viewers? Weird. Tataryu streams too. Reach out and support each other. Everything's more fun with a friend. That's cool. I guess highlighting some uh, smaller streamers that, uh, that uh, subscribe to me. Not just following, subscribed. This is giving suggestions, I suppose. Set chat rules. I don't really like that idea. Stream a survey. Use a trailer to show off your content. The trailers before looked so ugly. I mean, have they changed so the screen looks different? Police was your most used emote across other channels in the last 30 days. 19,000 times. Really? Sweet. We do be policing all of Twitch. Well, there's a thing explaining this. I may as well watch, I suppose. One thing I wish I knew when I started streaming, I think emotes are a crazy good way to drive engagements. Um, if your emotes are noticed in another channel, that will bring them to you because they become interested in these, these little things that define you and your community. It's funny, we just talked about that recently in Rambles. And as I said, that was certainly a lot truer back in the day before there was a ridiculous amount of emotes. But even then, having good emotes is still a good policy to have. Even if it's just like one additional viewer goes, hey, that's a cool emote and goes to your channel. That's just a win, right? I'm not saying you should bankrupt yourself to have good emotes, but having good emotes is just always going to be good advertising for your channel. Did you know a huge engagement tool that I use are actually the channel points? So what channel points do on Twitch is not only allow viewers to play sound clips or effective gameplay, but to have them be a part. So use the tool. Like, I just don't know what channel point things to add. The gambling stuff with the fake channel points does actually do something, I think. Keeps people invested in what's going on on stream. And so whether I'm going to crash or do races and stuff, we've been doing a lot of that stuff recently. But it would be nice if I could add some channel point stuff that actually mattered. It's a little bit hard now because so many people have been building channel points for so many years that anything I added that would be within reach of newer viewers would just be ridiculously spammable by anyone who's been around for a while. Obviously I can put limits on that maybe once a day or something, but like, let's say I had a sound effect for like a thousand channel points. There'd be a few thousand people who could just do that once a day, every day for like a year. One thing I wish I knew when I was starting streaming, it's important to use the numbers and the metrics and data that you have. So I'll go back and look maybe at a VOD for like total overall views. But then if there's a reason to, I'll go deeper into the analytics and be like, all right, when was peak viewership? When was uh, the fall off of viewership? What was the retention like? Like, I just don't super agree with that because I don't think growth on Twitch is super obtainable. I mean, I suppose if all you are focusing on is Twitch, obviously the analytics are going to be helpful there and you just stream at particular times where you have the most growth or whatever. But as we were showing before, when the person who's at the top has 10 times the watch time hours as number 50, what do you think the difference between 50 and like 100 is? Or 100 and 1,000? It's like... As I often say, the entire platform is basically just 10,000 streamers. And uh, the 10,000th is like a speck compared to number one. I mean, it's cool for Twitch to be trying new things. I hope this is uh, good for people, I guess. Oh, I can see my top chatters. Here are my three top chatters. Delta, Sanji, and Sentinel. I'll be real with you. I, I don't super know Sentinel. I know him because I've seen his name, but like I don't know him, know him, right? I don't think I've ever done anything with Sentinel. I've done stuff with Delta and uh, Sandri. I think Delta also did Among Us. But hello, Sentinel. Thank you for being around for so long and uh, chatting in the chat. Hope you're doing great. I didn't want that to suggest that I didn't recognize the name. I obviously recognize the name. I just don't know him personally. So he's right there. Now I'm going to know his, his name for the rest of my life because I feel really, really embarrassed. <laughs> but ultimately, guys, just thanks for being here and hanging out in the stream and stuff.
It is certainly one aspect of what I do online that I'm not super analytics focused. And that'll make happy the people who don't like how analytics focused that I am sometimes in my other content. I don't think I'm that analytics focused in any aspect of what I do. I just, it's worth looking at sometimes. And interesting. YouTube adds a highly useful new feature, viewers across formats. So YouTube announced that you're now able to see if your audience is watching you on a mix of different types of content. So the example they're showing here is that of this hypothetical person's audience, 43% only watch videos, 21% watch both, and 36% just watch shorts. And so looking at my results, 77% of the people who watched me over the last 28 days only watch shorts. Only 12% watched both and 11% watched video only. So what this tells me is the ability for my shorts to convert to people watching my long form content is apparently pretty low, which doesn't surprise me. As I say, it's not a matter of like, do you know a creator? It's a matter of, does the algorithm show you their content? For some reason, this only shows last 28 days, like it can't be extended back further. So I don't know if it's improved or not. What would be an interesting question is, whether it is just a problem of the algorithm not serving my long form videos to people who watch my shorts, or are people who watch my shorts actually not interested in my long form videos? Maybe the content is so different that they just don't like it, which is possible. It is possible there are some people who only watch shorts entirely, not just only have an interest in my shorts as opposed to my long form content. But I do like having this here and I will watch this every month and see if uh, things are improving. Like, I am of the belief that direct calls to action, getting people being like, hey, yo, go check out my long form videos. Like, I think that hurts the performance of the shorts because you're wasting time on that. But maybe I should start trying to throw that kind of stuff in rather than just relying on the fickle algorithm to actually make those connections because the algorithm should be making those connections. Interesting development, though. I do approve of this feature. I've added a new feature to my stream so my viewers can talk to me. So one of the very first things we're going to test, before I forget, is this new chatter thing. Basically, Regulus, without my prompting, made something called pick chatter. I see it says in there, in the corner, no chatter, no message. And so I press this button. Wow, it picked Fosabot. Out of all the people in chat, it picked Fosabot. Interesting. So if you've sent at least one message in the past five minutes, you have a chance to be picked in this. How about I do this? They send a message that equals pizza during the last five minutes. So if you type pizza, you have a chance to be picked by this thing. Pizza. Yeah. So anything James says will now be sent on stream. Yeah, the floor is yours, James. Go for it. Pineapple on pizza is good. See, this is this is why this is a terrible idea. Saying sacrilegious things like that. I believe that Regulus is making a game for me that I can do in with GTA, and this is one function of it. Pick a random chatter. Piz. Piz. So anything you type will be read out. I love you, Viper. Thanks, man. I don't think the delay is much either. Yeah, so that's being worked on and maybe used in future challenge runs and stuff. Very cool thing for Regulus to make for me. So for those who don't know, Regulus made me a thing where it'll pick a random person in chat and then read what they're saying as text-to-speech. But I right now have to press the button, pick random chatter. I think what I want to do is have something where every 20 seconds it picks a random person and then that person can just speak. And that would be like some small entertaining thing for the intro while I'm getting ready. I mean, having it restricted to subs would probably be a good move. Another little benefit for being a sub. My new high tier subscribers are getting new badges. So on twitch.tv, you have the option of being a tier two or tier three subscriber. You pay a bit more, but you're meant to get more perks, which right now isn't many. You get like a couple more emotes, that's it. One thing you do get though is by default, like some small stars that go on your sub badge to say, hey, you're a higher tier, but they've never looked that good. 
So we're trying to look for something that I can add to my normal sub badge to make it obvious that a person is a higher tier. And so this is what we've got currently. It's like our monocle and a beard. And so it would be gray for tier two and gold for tier three. When Joshua saw it, he was like, man, that looks like armor. I'm like, I don't really think it does. The thing is though, like the badges are really small. It depends on like the size of your screen and stuff. But like for me, like the badges are here. Let me type in chat. And so like it says I'm a tier three. And so like right now it's just got the monocle and you can barely see it there unless you zoom in on it. So the beard at least will be really visible. So I'm continuing to work on that. My Rambles channel now features shorts. So some of you may noticed that the Rambles channel is starting to have shorts of Rambles. Five have released. They're getting like 5,000 views, which is not amazing, but it's not bad. Do I think this will result in a conversion of people from these shorts to the actual long form Ramble videos? I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? But I found a, a handful of people, maybe like five people that I'm paying per shorts to make them. I'm in a position where I don't really like need more money or something. And so I'm ultimately always looking for ways that I can give people some of my money in order for them to help my business. So as a little experiment, these are being made and I like them. Like it's not only that I hope they lead to some benefit. I like the stuff being made and I like the idea of my uh, rambles being pushed out more and stuff. So I'm hoping these have some success. I'm not that hopeful, but you never know. Matt, how do you hire editors? I put out on my community posts and my Discord and stuff. I say, hey, yo, this is a thing that I want done. If you feel like you can do it, DM me. And then we uh, talk and yeah. With shorts, it was actually easier to do trials than for anything else. Because shorts are so short, I just said to literally anyone who DM'd me, hey, grab a file from here, my raw rambles, and make a short. And if it's good, we can talk further. I don't normally do that with other projects because it could lead someone to like wasting a week of their life or something, making something that doesn't get used, that's not good enough. Or it would also be my time that it would take a lot of time for me to review what they've produced. But with shorts, they're so short, they don't take that long to produce. Worst case scenario, a person wastes an hour or two of their life perhaps making a short that doesn't get used. And that's the cost of trialing for something, right? So ultimately I probably trialed like 30 people or something and, and kept five. They're going through the older shorts first, moving into the newest ones, grabbing things that are still relevant today. Eventually the optimal style will be found between everyone's different styles and all the different shorts have become more similar over time rather than necessarily being obviously made by five different people. But we'll uh, see what happens. Answering your most interesting questions. Why is there no normal chaos anymore without any twist? I mean, it's the same with any recurring show. Every season, you try and change it up a bit to make it more interesting, to captivate people to, to, or to bring people back. The first episode of each new season of Chaos has traditionally done better than the last episode of the previous season because people come back and go, let's see what's new. And you try and retain those people for the rest of the season. I do think that Mirror World was a swing and a miss in that I don't think it really captivated people or interested people. Like the the gimmick was interesting for a, like an episode, but it made some people sick. And obviously that's not good. But for me, I enjoyed it because that's the other aspect of this. As much as I enjoy doing chaos, it's not only easy and I like it entertaining people. It's not only also enjoyable, but eventually it will get stale for me if it doesn't keep changing. Mirror World changed things up for me, gave me something else to be thinking about or commenting on while doing the run. Because like, as you may notice, I'm talking nonstop for like the entire time that I'm playing. If you go back and look at the older episodes, I was more comfortable being silenced, but I'm not really as comfortable now. 
So I'll be commenting on everything under the sun. And so if everything becomes stale, nothing changes, there's no new effects and stuff, I run out of stuff to say, and that's boring. Yeah, exactly, Zuri. It's hard to find some new effects, some new change to chaos that can keep it interesting for an entire new season. But at the end of the day, it is just chaos. It's chaos with a twist. And if you're bored of chaos, that twist isn't gonna be enough for everyone. Would you be willing to switch your content to a different game if you were more successful making it? Or do you think you may never stop making GTA content? I don't think it's realistic to think that I will ever put myself in a situation to find out that I could be more successful with a different game. You have to understand, I have a lot of resources that other people don't. Like I know all the mods, I know all the places, I know how to record stuff. I have like 17 different versions of the game. I know what works with the game, what does not. I have so much information about the game, what glitches and stuff uh, that uh, exist. If I move to another game, I lose all of that. I have like thousands of files of just like sound files for the game, assets from the game, pictures of all the characters in the game that help me make content very quickly and easily. I, I, I wouldn't have any of that going to a new game. And it takes years for you to develop that knowledge when you start making content for a game. And starting from ground floor with a new game, it's almost inconceivable that I could be more successful than another game. But in the scenario that I could be, I would have no problem changing, assuming that I would enjoy it as much as I enjoy GTA 5 and making content with that. I've said before, the reason I say that I owe Rockstar nothing and Rockstar owes me nothing is because while we both have a mutually beneficial relationship, it's a fair statement that if Rockstar believed it was in their best interest to crush me like a bug, they would. And if it was in my best interest to abandon Rockstar games and do something else, I would. That's just the way it goes. Regardless if I stop making GTA content, you know what you shouldn't stop doing? Hitting that like and subscribe button. I wish you all the best.